Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to Revealing Conversations with Patron Nicole. Heart-led discussions that reveal, release, and unveil. You will leave this hour lighter, brighter, and inspired. And now, here's Patron Nicole. Good morning, everyone, and happy Tuesday once again. Thank you for joining me. Uh, it's been a wonderful few days. I got to spend another day in the mountains skiing, although the snow was kind of heavy, and I fell down a few times. But, uh, you know, you just keep on exercising, and I figured if I can still go out to the slopes and ski like I do in deep powder, I'm doing pretty good. So today uh, we're going to talk about astrology, and I have to give you a little bit of my background in astrology. I was uh, married for 10 years to James, and he was an astrologer, and he used to give me charts all the time and tell me every day little tidbits about what's going on in the world, and it was very, very exciting to learn about astrology. And then years later, I met someone who was into Vedic astrology, which is more of the Indian system. And they count everything in 20 degrees retro. So the first time I met um, Robert Kajan Bend, who wrote a very important book on astrology, on the Vedic system, he uh, told me that I actually wasn't a Leo, but a Cancer. So I go figure, all this time I thought I was a Leo, and then suddenly I find out I'm a Cancer. And it was really interesting to uh, speak with him about that and how many uh, things I identified with. And so that was a, a very, very big wake-up call for me. And we have in our family um, my partner's uh, daughter's husband, so his son-in-law is an astrologer also, and he uh, is uh, very, very well-versed in that subject. But today I have a great pleasure of introducing to you an astrologer who has been in this work, in a practice for over 40 years with clients. His name is uh, Chris Fisher, Flisher. I think there's an L in there. Chris uses the information contained in each person's birth chart, date, place, and time to reveal their true purpose. Astrology provides an amazingly accurate glimpse of the individual's assets and liabilities. With this information, science can work to their highest potential when the timing is absolutely correct. Only astrology can provide this accuracy and insight. Astrology can be a complex divination tool, and Chris is a master at bringing it all together in a clear, concise, and empathic manner. So, Chris, are you there on the other line? Hello. I sure am, Petra. Hi. How are you? Good to see. You. Good to hear you. Good to hear you. I guess is the word. <laughs> <laughs> Good to hear you too. I have to tell you, you know, I've been, I I did a, a chart online with someone recently, and they said that I had all kinds of uh, interesting things going on right now in my life, 
And I, uh, and you, you know, and of course they want to continue working with you and working with you. So now, now that I know you have 40 years of experience, I'm thinking maybe I better start t- uh, speaking with you about my chart. Maybe <laughs> 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 we hang up. Not right now. <laughs> so, right. So how right, are you right. doing today? I am fine, thanks. I'm fine. Yeah, you know, I wanted to make a point. I had listened to your introduction, and uh, you mentioned that you are you all this time you thought that you were a uh, cancer, and now you think you're now you think now you're reading your chart as a Leo. That's an important. No, I'm, I'm a to Leo, make. and now I'm a cancer. A Leo, and then now a you're cancer. a cancer. Okay, yeah, that's an <laughs> yeah. It's an important distinction to make be- between the uh, Vedic and West. I'm a Western astrologer. So even though mm-hmm. uh, and Vedic astrology is a little bit different because there's a portion of the time of the chart where people, if they are born near the end or the beginning of their sign in Western astrology, they fall in the, either, the one, either the sign previous or the sign after in Vedic astrology. So when we do the mm-hmm. chart readings, we still base it on the birth time. And regardless of how you interpret it, whether it's through Western astrology or Vedic astrology, you should come back up with the same kind of information about the personality at the end, regardless of the system that you use. Mm, that's interesting. That's interesting. Okay. Right. So they, issue, they have a different, they have Vedic has a different set of rules. They work to a different set of, uh, of parameters and it's based on what's called the procession of the equinoxes, which is a fairly complicated uh, term to understand. It's better if people go out and Google it rather than me to try to explain it to you. But what it means is it's, it's the, as the earth is, is, is turning, it's on a degree, on an angle of, of, that changes the signs as a result of over the period of time because the Earth continues to move through the zodiac. But that's something that is um, unique to Vedic astrology and in some ways is more accurate in Vedic astrology, but we both are very accurate when it comes to um, understanding the individual. Mm-hmm. So, so, Chris, how did you become involved with astrology? How, how did that begin for you? Yeah, I was uh, I was working in uh, Boston, where I live, and uh, at a, when I was about 22, 23 years old, and uh, a person had just started where I was working on the, on that day. Just a brand new employee had just started, and I happened to have lunch with her, and she asked me if I knew my birth information. And so I said, "Well, that's an unusual question. Yes, I do." So I gave her my birth information, which was my birth date, my birth place, and most importantly, my birth time. I gave her those three pieces of information. Then she came back two two days later. She never knew me before and didn't know anything about me at all. Came back with six or seven pages of handwritten analysis about myself that was so spot on accurate that I just about, I couldn't believe it because it was just, I said, how could this person who's never met me before know so much about me? These were intimate details about my personality and about where I was going, what my purpose was. And I was just blown away by the accuracy and I've been hooked ever since. Wow, that's really incredible. That must have just uh, totally amazed you. I mean, I've 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 had people do charts for me, and you know, uh, really revealing information about myself that uh, no one could have known, and you know, especially uh, someone predicting future events. Even I mean, it gets really right. in depth, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It does. So, it gets very so well. You know, what I always say. What I always say is that astrology is theme-based. It's a based on a theme, and the theme is sort of the the climate in which you're in at the time. It's not going to give. I don't. I don't believe personally that it's as precise as to say that you know on Tuesday, Petra, go out and buy a lottery ticket. But I would say that perhaps this week would be a good week to look into concepts of money. The topic of money might be on your chart if that were the topic for the day. 
So it doesn't provide that specificity, but it does provide a range of an area in which your life will see action for that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I'm trying to find this uh, uh, chart uh, that this woman sent me recently um, online, and I could feel, you know, I could really feel that there's something going on at the moment, for example, in my life, uh, where things are coming together or things are gelling. And then it wasn't mm-hmm. uh, such a surprise to get a chart that said, you know, basically, think this is a very um, optimum time for you to get really going on writing and getting out in the public more and uh, and to really hone in on that on that energy so that yeah was, that's exactly uh, what that's that's the yeah that's the scene I'm talking about it's sort of like I think of it that's, that's what's referred to as the house in astrology that's what we refer to it as in Western astrology and the house is the equivalent to sort of the room that you're in. If you're in the library, you're going to be doing writing and reading. If you're in the kitchen, you might be doing cooking. So you think of it in a metaphorical way that way. Mm, I see. I see. So, um, so if a person comes to you and they don't have their time uh, on the day they were born, what do, what do you do? Well, we, we try to get as close as to the time as possible. Generally, you know, this might happen with someone who was adopted or came from a, sometimes a foreign country where they don't keep track of the birth times. We try to get in closer by doing what's called rectification. We'll sort of ask some questions about specific life events to try to get closer to that birth time. Or we try to find out if they can get it within a two-hour window. There's roughly a two-hour window where the, uh, that can, that is the, the rising sign would be indicated. And when you know the rising sign and you use that, the rising sign is also known as the ascendant. When you work with the ascendant and the sun sign and you combine those two, then you get a much more accurate idea where you are and what scene you're in in your life at the time and where how that might work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. So, so what can, um, how can someone benefit by having a chart done with you? I mean, how would that well, I think, enhance their life? Well, you know, the thing is, I always say that when you, we are best prepared, when we are best informed. So if we know where the scenes are going to be happening in our lives, if we know that we're going to be having a, uh, you know, something that has to do with the family or the home, if we know that there's something going on with our relationships, if we know something's going on with our career, if we know that uh, we should be back in school, all of those things are indicator of being in the right place at the right time. When you respond and take the information from the astrology chart or from the astrologer and say, this is where you need to put your focus, then that's where things happen. And that's where you can go and learn um, of the accuracy and you begin to get, you can, you can put, train your focus on that. Oftentimes people are already looking at that themselves. So they inherently know where they need to be in some ways. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Well, I think. But the astrology. Uh, what happens is that the astrology validates that. It, it verifies that that what you're doing is actually right. If, in other words, if you were just thinking about going back to school to get a degree, and you had a an aspect in your chart that showed that, then you would know. You would get. You know. You you would get validation. Oh yes, I'm in the right place at the right time, which is very reaffirming because sometimes people don't always know. Mm-hmm. Well, if we listen to our intuition more, we would know. But unfortunately, 
uh, that isn't the muscle that we've exercised that much. You know, we're getting more and well, more. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Well, and sometimes, you know, you can be misled by your intuition. You know, your gut will say one thing and then you can find out that you're not exactly right because you've overthought it or you think too much or, you know, you, you, you can't get out of your own worry space. You know, that's sort of that whole thing people have sometimes. Mhm, mhm. So, um, in in the Western system, I'm just gonna, you know, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I, you're so experienced, you can probably, uh, it's it's for the listener, really. I would love to just uh, say to you this. So, in the Western astrology, I'm a Leo sun sign. I'm an ascendant Leo, and my moon is in Aquarius. If you get a person like that, and without looking at their chart, you can probably right away say. Okay, here's some predominant themes in that person's life, and you know, I've always asked the question: Is why on earth did I come in with a double Leo? You know, where was I before? <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's uh, and, that ties and, in with the whole idea. That ties in with the whole idea of the uh, the um, uh, you know, sort of the karmic level and the karmic past of our past lives, which is very much a part of the. Indian Vedic astrology, and I believe that is much the case, same case with us. But, you know, we are born at a place in time because we are sent to accomplish a certain task. And with a Leo, you see a Leo sun and Leo rising, you've got the sun right on the ascendant. You're a very powerful person. But you've also got your moon directly across at Aquarius, which is the exact opposite. So sometimes those two... Um, ideas become part of a conflict that can that it can uh occur later in your life either with people or something because of the way that you are you know that's a lot of what's called fixity in a sign in an individual fixity are the fix there's four fixed signs there's taurus leo scorpio and aquarius those four signs are the ones that are fixed and what they mean by fixed does not mean that they're broken the opposite does not mean that they're broken fixed means that they are they are they are permanent. They do not budge. They are very stubborn and, and resilient and opinionated with their ideas. And most of their opinions and thoughts and actions are either black. They're very black and white. There's very little room for negotiation. Sometimes once their mind is made up to do something, they stick with that. And that can be quite a uh, depending upon who you manage to be with. That can be t- seen as being immovable or inflexible. And sometimes that can work. Uh, as that can be quite a, a, a detriment to an individual if they're trying to, you know, uh, work with in a relationship or something like that. That can be a difficult aspect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and but it also provides eye. you with a great deal of drive, and it, and it gives you the. I think in your case, it probably provides you with that uh, level of. Um, you have a sort of a global level, a global view. You sort of want to work for the greater good of humanity which is very much of an Aquarian concept, you know, things such as politics and being in the media, being a community organizer, those are all very Aquarian kinds of, of qualities that you'd find. So someone with an Aquarius moon would be um, somewhat uh, reserved emotionally uh, to an extent uh, and very guarded in some ways and somewhat, uh, you know, more focused on the greater good rather than, you know, what's happening in their own world. It's more about looking outside at the world. And it's interesting that you said uh, that you spoke about six signs, you know, because I uh, uh, noticed that throughout my life has been you have to stay very mobile. You know, I was never really karmically allowed to stay in one place for too long, and there's always a lot of movement going on. 
lived, you know, leaving my home when I was 17 years old, you know, a near-death experience, a lot of things like that. So Mm -hmm. I also noticed that the Leo aspect of myself wants to go out and, you know, be in the public, but my Aquarius aspect is also very helpful in uh, writing books because I, I have no problem staying home alone without seeing anybody for five days in a row, you know. <laughs> right, yeah, and the Aquarius is a, is a, Aquarius is an air sign, so that's very much about the intellect and it's about the cerebral qualities of an individual, so that would speak well to somebody who is a writer, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so uh, what what is needed to have an astrology consultation with you, uh, Chris? So, so what would a person have to do? Uh, for the listeners that are on the line right now, uh, what would they have to do to talk to you, and, and would they have to prepare for anything, or how does that? No, work? all they have to do is uh, all they have to do is book some time. I have a uh, a link on my website, which is turningofthewheel.com, and it's all one word, turningofthewheel.com. And there's a link on the uh, lower left hand side that says personal readings. That brings you to a booking agency, and then you just book a time. And uh, schedule to put some, you know, pay, obviously, schedule time with me. And then we hook up via Skype and I do the reading over the phone wherever they are. And then I make a recording for them and send the recording back to them. And what I, the way I like to work is I, don't like, I like only knowing three things about a person. I like to know their birth date, their birthplace, and their birth time. That way, I don't know anything else about what they're doing in their lives. I don't want any background information I don't want anything else. I want it to be pure and genuine. When I know those three pieces of data and I just start talking to the chart and the other person is listening, then we know that we're in a pure environment. We know that we're in a good spot. We know that I'm not, you know, watching body language like sometimes psychics will do. Sometimes they'll be able to tell by looking at someone if they are married by looking at their hand. This way when you're over the phone, and I can't see them, and I know only those three pieces of data, when I start saying things to them about what their chart is and where they're going and where they are, and they start, the bells start going off in their head because they're like, oh, wow, that's exactly right, then we know that we're doing the right thing. We know that we're genuine and accurate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so it's, I mean, for really for anyone to have a chart uh, right now, so have you uh, have you done charts for politicians, for example, or, or famous people, just for fun for yourself, just to look into some things that are of going course. on on a global level? Of course you have. Of course, yeah, yeah of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to. I mean, you know, you know, that's part of the thing. What one of the things that's great is that astrology gives you the ability to not only look at individuals, but also look at what I call, well, what the industry calls mundane themes. And mundane does not mean it's boring. It simply means that it applies to the whole planet. So I would look at the charts for the world, for example, and say, wow, this is what's going on. We're going to be seeing, I base my thoughts and my observations on broad types of information that I see. And what I see are things like, you know, the ability to, uh, look for for long-term trends. Why is there tension some places? Why are we seeing so much unrest? Why are we seeing uh, global, uh, you know, social mobility? Why are we seeing, uh, you know, all of these larger themes? Those can also be derived from astrology because even if you run a chart on a country, like, for example, if I ran a chart for the United States of America, I use what's called the Sibley chart, which is based on the birthday of July 4th, 
1776 at 5.08 p.m. in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. When I run that chart, I can see what the United States is all about and how the state, how this, the country is responding to where the current aspects are of the planets today. So the way astrology works is mm. that you cast a chart based on the birth date, place, and time of the individual. That is a static chart. It never changes. It's just like a fingerprint or an eye print or your voice print. It's unique to you and only you. You only have that, that same exact time. Then you take that static chart and bring it into the world of today, whatever the date is, maybe February 21st, at, and you look at the, where the planets are today, and it's, it's the conversation between the static chart of the birth and the dynamic chart of the day today that gives you that predictive quality about where you are in your life. Hmm. So um, when was the last time you, ca- you cast a chart for the United States? I mean, do you, have, uh, you do have some recall on that right now? I'm very curious about well, yeah, what I mean, is I can give you some ideas. on. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Uh, well, you know, the thing is that we are in a very um, unusual time for the United States because we're having – see, what's, un, what's unusual is that the United States is a country that is, you know, 200 and some odd years old. And so the, the astrology that we're going to be seeing takes into account long-term trends of planets that are outside. In other words, they're not close planets. These are long, slow-moving planets such as – um, such as, uh, you know, Uranus, Neptune, and most especially Pluto, they have long-term impacts and their influence is felt over many, many years. And so it's difficult to get, you can't just say, uh, you know, the United States is going to be like this today. It's such a large country and it's such a long span of time that we have to look to outer planets to get a greater idea of where the trends are. When we look at the United States now, we are having, we're in the process of, over the next several years of what's called a Pluto return. No human being will ever see a Pluto return because it takes Pluto 248 years to go around the cycle. So what we're seeing in the United States is that Pluto is returning to the spot with the exact same degree eventually where it was when the United States declared their independence from England. So when we look forward to the charts and we see what they're looking like and we come up into years as we get into the 2020s and 2022 to 2020, in that area, 2022, 2021, we're going to be seeing what's called an exact hit of a Pluto return transit. Now, that sounds like a lot of stuff, but during that period of time, we and it's going to be hitting in the second house of the United States, which is the house of our economy, our money, and our finances. And if we look at where things are going, this aligns perfectly. This is why it's important to understand the greater longer-term aspects of what astrology can do and what it can bring to us, because it can provide a roadmap of where we are headed. Now, with all of the talk about closing the borders of the United States and imposing taxes on imported goods and doing all that stuff, it is going to totally reconstruct the United States economy in some dramatic way. If this current administration decides that they want to impose a 20% tax on everything that comes into the United States from overseas, all of those products that fill the walls and the shelves of Walmarts across the country, if every one of those products had to be increased by 20%, those stores are going to stop selling stuff. 
people are going to stop buying stuff because they can't afford it. And you can understand how the long-term ramifications of that would happen, how the whole economy would come crumbling to a halt and it would have to be reconstructed, which is exactly what the planet Pluto does. It comes along, tears down that which does not work, and reconstructs a new format. But it does it over a very long period of time. Mm-hmm. So uh, can you speak on uh, the subject of karma a little bit as well? Because I know that comes into sure. astrology. I mean, these things come in cycles, like you said. You know, I mean, there's, uh, there are certain things that have to be learned by humanity. Uh, right. Know, we're not, we're not, I don't believe we're alone in this universe. <laughs> and that we are, no. you know, maybe... Maybe the little the little toddlers in the universe. <laughs> That's my mm-hmm. opinion, anyway. No, we are not. We are not alone. That is a uh, is that is definitely true. I think that what we see um, with the karmic connection is. I think the, the the general theory and the general practice that I believe in is that we are sent forth with a series of challenges and attributes. We have assets and 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 liabilities. Every one of us who when we are born. I think what we do is we're sent to learn a specific task, and I think that the the attributes that we have are those lessons that we learned in a past life, and the challenges that lie ahead are those that we need to learn. And when we look at an astrology chart, we can get a fairly clear idea of that, especially when you look at what's called the North Node and the South Node in the charts. They sort of give an idea of where we have been, what we've learned from where we've been, and where we are going, and what we need to learn to, in order to move forward. That's how we deal mm-hmm. with karma. And it's evolution. We have to move forward. We have to evolve. Well, we, don't, we can't go backwards. There's no question about it. You know, and time, if you think about time, and astrology and time are very closely intertwined, um, the best way to envision what time is like and why astrology works is that if we figure, if we think of the, of, of the world and our progress and Earth and everything else in the universe as a gigantic corkscrew, meaning that it goes around and around and around, but it goes down the road further each time. So that events and ideas and concepts and themes and social movements all happen again and again and again, just as they do with people's lives. The human condition is repetitive over time. What changes is the time and the place. So what happened, say, for example, here's a good example. In 19, um, in the, during the Depression, in 1929, the Depression in the United States really didn't kick in until uh, to, uh, 1931, 1932, 1933. We see a lot of the same trends that happened back then happening again with the presence of the planet Uranus. And Uranus is currently in the sign of Aries, which is the sign of new beginnings. And we did have the inklings of a recession going backwards, and we don't know what's going to happen as a result of this new administration. We may very well uh, be brought into havoc. We can't judge our economic uh, stability based on the stock market. The stock market may be flying through the roof right now, but that is all on speculation. We don't know if that's going to hold water. What could happen very easily is that stock market could come crashing down as it has in the past, as it has uh, even in back in, in October of 1989, it crashed. We can see these trends happening again, and that's where it gives cause for worry, or not worry, but at least cause for observation. You want to be able to observe when these trends are happening. As I said, they're long-term trends. But I can tell you this much. 
when you look at famous people who do a lot of investing, such as someone such as uh, Warren Buffett, who's a very well-known, one of the richest men in the world, he recently sold all of his stock in Walmart, 90% of his stock was in Walmart. He just sold all of his stock in Walmart and bought Apple stock and stock in airplanes, in airlines. So that must be a strong indicator, and this guy is never wrong. There's an indication that something is going to be going on with the retail industry in this country, which makes sense if you stop and listen to the administration, the current administration's ideas for how they're going to reorganize this. If they, if they go through with their plans, we may very well see our entire economy completely shaken. I don't want to be an yeah, alarmist, but this yeah. is sort of, you know, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. Um, to our listeners today, I'm interviewing Chris Fischer. His website is turningoffthewheel.com. You can book a reading with Chris. All he needs from you is your date, place, and time you were born, and you can get a chart uh, cast. I love when you say that, Chris, casting a chart. It sounds magical to me, you know. <laughs> it is. It is magical. It's, it's the. Uh, I think that the. I think astrology is a roadmap of the logic of the universe and the logic of our lives. Mm-hmm. It's mathematical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Uh, so uh, when we're looking at these world events right now, I mean, I know that I'm from Germany, so I was born in Europe. I was born in Munich. And all of Europe is up in arms, you know, because they are so worried of what America is going to do next. (laughs) And we are a little bit unpredictable at the moment. (laughs) And there are many conversations going on. And, I mean, it's going to not only – I I wondered if you looked into the chart for the United States of how right now we're also affecting, uh, you know, the global situation, the global platform. Well, there's no that way that we bit. couldn't. Yeah, there's no way that we couldn't affect the globe because we are such we are the strongest economy in the world, and so whatever we do will ripple out across the uh, rest of the globe. If we are in a mm-hmm. situation, this is why we can't be isolationist. There's no sense to closing the borders. There's no logic to it. Everybody thinks that, you know, or the, the, the right wing thinks that closing the borders is the right way to go. That is absolutely the wrong approach. It is the exact wrong approach. Because of the simple fact that we are a we are a globe, we are a we are a species. We're not a country, and all of our the humanity is a species, and we need to work together with each other in order to keep the species alive. If we start closing our borders down and shutting everybody out, we are going to be doomed to self destruction. Mm-hmm. Have you have you done a chart on uh, on the human species in terms of? Uh, how long it would take from here on out before we can actually realize or come into a higher consciousness field to realize that we are one species and that the whole idea about races is, is uh, you know, obsolete. <laughs> because I always well, it is that. it, like, it, it is obsolete. You know? There really is there really is no way to run a chart on on, on a species because we don't know when we began. We don't really have. You know, we don't have that mm-hmm. mechanism. But what I can say is that if you look at the current, and this is just based on sort of observation of um, societies and stuff, if you look at the way uh, we are evolving, as as different races become 
intermingled, as we have um, you know, interracial marriages, and the longer those go on, it's kind of like putting chocolate syrup into, van- into milk. You know, you, when you first put it in, you can see it's, you can see the chocolate strain, the, the drips of the chocolate syrup, and you can see the milk. When you start to stir that up, all of a sudden you get this nice, deep, rich brown chocolate milk. The same theory applies to the races. If we take all the white people and we start blending them with the black people, eventually we're going to get to a spot where we're all the same. And when we get to the spot where we all look the same, we all have, a, you know, when this is, I'm talking about if we were to, you know, take all the races in the world and throw them into a giant blender and hit the button, what would we look like at the end? This is where, this is where humanity is evolving. We are evolving towards a space where we all have, and we all eventually look the same in some regard. We all have the same skin tone. Our eyes are set a certain way. Our noses are set a certain way because of all of this cross-pollination and cross-blending of the species. Ultimately, the longer that goes on, the greater our opportunity would be to have what I would call, uh, you know, you reach this spot where we're all the same, and there is no more term, no more need for racism and, and, and sort of those things. There's, and all these things get blended and blended, but that may take thousands of years. We don't know how long that will take. But yeah, I, will say that by shut, I will say that by shutting down borders and, and putting immigration bans and doing all that, that is counterproductive to the evolution of humankind. And the universe uh, pushes back pretty rapidly towards that, that sort of behavior, I believe. That's right. Uh, natural know, selection, always, natural you know selection. Yep. Yeah, ebb and flow that goes on in the universe. I mean, there's a... There's that balance that has to be created. You know, when I when I was little, uh, my parents uh, were born in 1938, so they both went through the Hitler experience in bomb shelters right. and that sort of thing, and rations of food and you know real real hardships. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I can imagine this overlay of racial discrimination when I was a little kid that I felt strongly especially from my father and maybe not so much from my mother, but my father was uh, definitely receiving some of that programming from his parents out of fear mm-hmm. because they were in uh, what was what is now Czechoslovakia. So he spoke Czech as a little kid, and he was teased and beaten up for being Czechoslovakian, you know. And so mm-hmm. one of the things I wanted to desperately do is uh, the DNA test, because I've always uh, had uh, this feeling that there must be somewhere, you know, Jewish blood in me, because I have so many uh, people, so many friends in my circle that are Jewish, I said, I have to have Jewish blood, you know. <laughs> so the DNA testing, coming back to that conversation, it is so much fun to do that, because even now, as we are uh, learning more and more about DNA, you know, we're already so mixed. You know, if anybody mm-hmm. thinks that they're a certain race, it is act- absolute nonsense. You know, so that's of course, just, and that's uh, where that's the progress. That's the progress that we are making as a species. But when we have uh, people or or governments that decide that they're going to go against the natural selection, the natural evolution of the species, as by cutting off borders and stopping that, that is a very, very selfish, foolish. Um, 
self-centered, narcissistic kind of view that is totally against the workings of the logic of the universe. We do need to survive. We do need to work together. We do need to intermingle. And that way we will survive. You know, I, the only way, what, what needs to happen, or perhaps will happen, is there needs to be a moment when perhaps, and I always thought this when I was very young, that if there were some sort of an alien intervention into our lives, for whatever that may be, I'm not trying to be out there and left field, I'm not trying to be alarmist, but I'm saying if there were to be an event that required uh, the Earth as a planet to solidify itself, to unify and, and defend ourselves against an outside force, what would do that? What would make us all work together would be an outside force coming in to try to change us. Because then it wouldn't matter if you were Arab or Sikh or Indian or Hindu or Jewish or Protestant. It wouldn't matter because we'd all be working side by side to save our planet. And in many ways, global warming is that challenge. If we don't stop global warming, we are all going to be in the same situation together. We're all going to have rising tides. We're all going to see our crops failing. We're going to see our temperatures rising or falling. And if that's one of the, that's the enemy, that should be our common enemy. Our common enemy should not be don't come into my backyard. It should be let's fix the climate. Mhm. I agree. I agree. Well, let's uh let's uh, hope that there well, will So be you see that the idea of the yeah, you see the idea how the common enemy is a unifying force. It should be a unifying force. It had great potential to be a unifying force. I think the last administration was working towards that goal, but it takes so long to have these things happen. That's part of the process. The process of the time involved, people are impatient. They haven't got the time to wait for these things to happen. They want things to happen now. And this is a grave mistake. But I also think that, you know, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're a child and you put your hand in the stove and you get burnt, you don't make that mistake again because you've learned by trial and error. If we go through the same situation and you take that same example and apply it to the United States, then you'd see, okay, we're making a major mistake, so now we're going to learn the hard way, and it's going to be a painful lesson, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the and I don't mean to be negative. And, yeah, and the, and the country is very divided, but I agree with you. Uh, global warming is an issue, even though there are people that uh, are in denial that, that this even exists, which uh, you know, really interesting to me. Uh, we are, we're obviously one 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 thing is for sure. We're all getting we're all getting wake up calls on every level, whether that's individual or you know, in in our villages or in in, in our nation. And they come in 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 ways of uh, very gentle. I feel the universe is very gentle in the way we are being taught as a species how to evolve, and uh, we are moving through areas right now of a rebirth. I feel, and we are also uh, technologically. I mean, there was a there was a. Um, um, a planet on our planet that was a civilization called uh, before that went as far as we did with technology and then something happened and it was destroyed and I don't think that this is round one I think this could be this could have happened already a few hundred times where our species has to do it over and over and over again until we're close to uh, extinction so mm-hmm. uh, do you have insights on that through astrology at all? Or? Well, no, but I, I mean, 
I mean, I would agree with you. I think that, um, you know, the, the return of Pluto is an indication of that because it is about uh, falling apart and picking and starting over again. We really are at a spot where you reach a crescendo and at that point forward, you have to sort of uh, reset your standards and do things all over again. That's really what it comes down to. And that is a, I think that's sort of what we're going through right now is we're going to see that. And I think that's part of the problem that we're faced facing right now is that, and I think that, you know, it's, it's kind of like a ratchet where a, a ratchet is, you know, it clicks forward and the, and the, and the, and the, the lever closes back down to prevent the wheel from going backwards. I think what happens is that we sort of go two steps forward and then we slip backwards and then we go two steps forward and then we slip backwards. We made a great deal of progress under President Obama in the United States and in the world towards global change, towards global climate, towards uh, not being involved militarily as much as we were across the globe. Um, at, At least the idea was there. So those were the right ways. Now we're going in the exact opposite direction, trying to be isolationist, trying to close our borders off, trying to be segregationist against Muslims, and trying to be, you know, imposing this whole idea of, of make America great again, which is the exact wrong approach. It, it could not be more wrong. And I'm not saying that because I'm politically motivated. It just doesn't make sense logically. This is a very logical problem that is easy to understand. I'm no genius, but I think I can see it fairly clearly. I think a lot of people see it. And we do not want to go backwards, and we're going backwards. We've got to rise up and resist. So, Chris, do you think that this is a a fear-based? Well, um, I'm not sure what what the rationale behind it is. I know that there is – I think that the people who are in charge are trying to create fear. They're trying to create fear. You know, things are much better than people are talking about. We have the, one of the, the lowest unemployment we've had forever. The economy is going along fine. Uh, things are working. Now they say, you know, they come out and they say the crime rate is the worst in the world. It is not that. A lot of the fake news that we're hearing out of the mouths of these people at the top are, are building this fear. It's a false fear. Yeah, and I mean, uh, that's happened many times. I mean, fear works with when when I turn the news on. I don't have television, but I, I watch occasionally on, on YouTube uh, a program or something. And what I see in between the lines and even in the advertising, I'm seeing this programming, this repetitive program that is so fear-based. And so, uh, you know, my, in my life, I try to uh, tell people or help people by unplugging a little bit and creating a different energy around themselves by spending time outside in nature, by seeing positive things and not focusing on the negative so much. Because that's, the focusing on the negative it doesn't mean we're ignorant. It doesn't mean that we're not informing ourselves, but it just means... You know, if we're we're taking all this information in constantly, we can't really sort it because we don't have enough of the insights. So it can really, I have so many friends that are not sleeping at night because they're so scared now and so worried and they're foreigners and, you know, their uh, green cards are going to be taken away and all this sort of thing. So... Right, and that kind of fear is what what drives the problem. That is what drives the problem, and then and then what happens? I think is that it becomes a self. It becomes it becomes self prophecy. People end up feeling that way, and then they sort of 
because they fear it, they end up being that way, which is the worst thing you want to have happen. So, you know, by fearing something, you, in some ways you invite it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so can you, can you speak on how that energy is actually created? Uh, I know I, I, I speak on this subject a lot, but I would love to hear from you how you explain that, for example, to your clients when you're working with, uh, with uh, astrology. Well, I mean, you know, life is difficult. There's no question about it. There's always going, we're never going to be in a situation. And this goes back to, if you look at any uh, Greek tragedy, any of the Greek myths that go back, they're all the same stories that we're living now. We're just in a different time and place. Getting back to that same sort of corkscrew that I was talking about earlier. The corkscrew is the sort of the, the cyclical, cyclical repetitive nature of time but time is a continuum it's a river that keeps moving so we're down the road further we're in the same situation we have the same conflicts this is the same struggle of the human condition happens repetitively over and over and over again and that is a fact of life we have our good days we have our bad days we have our ups we have our downs we live and we die we give birth and we die these are all part of the, of the very nature of the cycle of life. This is the circle of life. We've got to accept that. What happens, I think, is that we get lost in a world where our own egos, our own sense of self, get wrapped up in this um, constant barrage of what we're hearing from the media and, and the way the talk is. And it's sort of like, a, like a, if you've ever been, in a, if you've ever been in, a, in a large group of people that it, like a protest march or whatever you can feel there's an awful lot of energy there when you're all combined together if people start oh. listening to this kind of talk it infuses them this is the same way hitler rose to power was by stirring up this sense of fear it is upon ourselves to try to stay away from that negativity and that is a very complicated thing you've got to learn to focus on the positive and not get yourself wound up in the negative thoughts that are coming from others. And this is, you've got to learn to put up a filter. And I think, you know, I think turning the TV off is a great idea. But Mm -hmm, it's very, you mm -hmm. know, we're all very curious. We do want to hear it. We do want to hear it. And, of course, now Facebook has made that whole idea even more prevalent because of the simple fact that we have such immediate access to information and nothing. It's very hard to discern what's real and what's what's, what's not. I think that what's happening, to be honest, is that I think that the news media actually is, on, is right. I think that they are doing the right thing. They're upholding the journalistic standards. I think what's happening is that the people at the top are trying to convince everybody else below them that the media is false, and I don't believe that to be true. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, it's, it's an extraordinary time to be alive, isn't it? It is. It is. It's very. It can be very scary too, and I think that's something that we have to be mindful of. It, it can be very scary. Um, what I'd like to think of is that people would come to a point in time where they decided that they um, were not going to be as fearful uh, of these things as and, and and take more ownership for your own personal well-being and state of mind. Granted, we're going to have we have basic concerns about food, clothing, and shelter, and the family we have, and the family we love, and the people we love in our lives. We want to have all that stuff in our lives, and that's normal and natural. We have to put our focus there. What we need to do is draw into, into, into tribal mode almost, so that we have the resiliency to thwart back the powers that are trying to change us. If we live in a community or a tribe of people who are like-minded, we've got more power 
than we realize. It's through that organizational quality that we, are, we can, I think, ultimately resist and find a way around this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the Buddha said is what we think about comes about. So, you know, we have to be um, vigilant in what yeah. we're thinking. Very and it can be hard. I, without, I mean, it's very hard, especially with, yeah. with so many distractions. It's very hard to be vigilant. I agree. And, and, and because these thoughts create our reality. And yes, so they do. If our, thoughts, if our thoughts create our reality, then we are creating these, immediate, these worlds around us, these environments. I mean, why is it that once we're suffering so much, uh, creating uh, so much fear and agony and anxiety and, and, you know, wanting to die. And another person that could grow up in the same exact family uh, is uh, out there, you know, having fun and being happy and helping people. It, it, it always boggled my mind how that is possible, how two minds coming from the same family environment or the same culture, the same paradigm can be so differently programmed. You know. Oh, I know. So, it is amazing. It must go back. It must go back to astrology. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can probably. Yeah. I have one last question. I have one last question for you, Chris. Have you uh, attempted a chart on uh, on our current president at all uh, to look into? Oh his, yeah. Uh, yes. Can you? Uh, we have just a few more minutes to talk, but I would sure love to hear what you discovered. Well, I mean, he, he was, he's destined to be an important person in our lives. There's no question about it. He was born on an eclipse in June uh, 14th of 1946. He has a lot of uh, aggression. Uh, so I think what happened here is that he was born with a certain cast. His chart was cast a certain way when he was born, and that's who he is. I think what's happened is that based on his circumstances, the things that were meant for him, you know, I think everybody has the ability to go – uh, one way or the other with their with the attributes that they're given. He could very well have gone on to become a very powerful person in a very positive way if he wanted to, but I think he chose this way based on the circumstances of his own upbringing, perhaps his parents or his, you know, the way he was raised, I think, lended to that. But he is a very powerful person. He's got Mars on the Ascendant in Leo. So he is a very uh, adamant, uh, control, controlling, uh, power-hungry uh, narcissist lost in a world of delusion. There's no question about it. He is not seeing the world clearly. He sees it through his own lens, and that lens is so convincing to him that he can't really see out of there. His, it's his, like his, his eyeballs or his glasses are covered with, you know, with jelly or Vaseline. He's just not seeing clearly. And that's disturbing because mm-hmm. he's in charge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, who was it? That was that. Was it a French statement? A statesman that said the country deserves the government it gets. So we are the ones that elected it in. So we we drew this to us collectively. Well, yes, I you know I agree, and that maybe that's our lesson to learn. But you know, it depends upon how you read the numbers. You know, when we have a overwhelming majority coming through on the uh, popular vote. I would always argue that the popular vote is far more valuable than the electoral college because the electoral college can be bought. You can't buy three million extra votes from people. Exactly. Right. You you well, can't buy three million extra yeah. votes. So the, it should the election should have been determined by the popular vote. That way we would know who what what people really wanted. That's why there's such resistance right now. Is that people said 
We don't want this. I didn't vote for this. And that's why they're beginning to fight back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's going to be an interesting year, no doubt. <laughs> Hold on. Well, to yeah. It's like a rocket ship. <laughs> like I think it's going to be an int- I think it's going to be an interesting uh, a couple of years. It depends upon how things go, but I think we're in for a very bumpy road unless you know some of the people in Washington stand up to him and start changing the course of this country, which I think they will. But you know, a lot of these things may be out of our control. I don't know. I, I don't like to think that. I'd rather think that we were headed in a different direction and that we have time to um, you know turn things around. Mhm. Mhm. Well. Thank you so much for being here today, Chris. I really uh, appreciate your presence on the oh, show. thank you. Again, again, if you would like to get your chart cast by Chris Fisher, please go to turningoffthewheel.com, and there is a button to push to sign up for a reading, and all you have to provide is your date, place, and time of birth. If you do not have the time of birth, Chris can help you figure that out. So don't despair. All you need is state in place. I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, Chris, have a wonderful day playing in the snow, hopefully. You're in Boston. Uh, well. And uh, <laughs> maybe maybe it snows a little. It's raining uh, cats and dogs here on the lake. I can tell you that. It's hard to even go outside without, with an umbrella. You get drenched. So I'm staying yeah. here today. <laughs> and uh, to all my listeners, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, please uh, check out uh, my MP3 free download for my meditation at petranicole.com. That is P-E-T-R-A-N-I-C-O-S-L.com. And also we just updated all of our events for the year. So there will be retreats and all kinds of amazing things. The Seven Insights class will begin again in April. You can sign up for that right now. And I look forward to uh, hearing from you and see you next Tuesday. Thank you again. Arrivederci. Ciao, ciao. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.